Hey, welcome back to another Ruby Dev Summit interview. I'm here with Andy Mala. I'm always worried that I'm saying your name wrong. <laughs> I'll just admit. Mala. Uh, Mala. Uh, Andrew, or Andy, is the, he, he won the Fukuoka Ruby Award in 2022 for the Glimmer Desktop UI. There, there was a, an official name, but I, I can't keep it straight in my head, so I apologize. Um, for LibUI. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yep. And then uh, you have a master's degree from in software engineering from DePaul University. And uh, yeah, anything else that I missed that's important? Uh, I've spoken at RubyConf uh, three times so far. Nice. Uh, 2008, 2022, and 2023. And I've spoken at RailsConf twice, uh, 2012 and 2014. Awesome. Well, I'm going to dive us right in, and uh, anything that you've spoken about at those conferences that's relevant to this question, I, I'm happy to hear it, or any other ideas you have. But uh, I've been asking everybody, what is the future of Ruby? Uh, yeah, most certainly. My uh, presentations at RubyConf were about uh, my open source project, Glimmer. Uh, uh-huh. And uh, in 2023, I gave a workshop on how to build desktop applications with Glimmer DSL for LibUI. So I certainly see nice. uh, Ruby uh, moving more into the desktop in the future and not just being a web-only language. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, we can you know, build a lot of tooling in Ruby. Like I, I built my own IDE. I have an IDE called Gladiator that I built completely with Glimmer. Oh, wow. Uh, I've also, uh, I, I know a Japanese developer that built his own internet radio app. Uh, and I use it every day to listen to jazz music. I really like it. And it was also built in Glimmer. It's kind of like a Ruby oh, wow. version of iTunes in a way. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, so a lot of, so we could build tooling in Ruby. We could build uh, like uh, any, you know, like media tools kind of like for playing music, uh, play simple, uh, play, sorry, build simple games, kind of like Tetris or simple board games. Uh, so yeah, there's a lot of future for Ruby in the, on the desktop, I would say. Uh, I think it took a while uh, for Ruby to get back to the desktop because uh, mm-hmm. shoes stopped getting maintained about seven years ago, maybe eight years yeah. ago. So fortunately, um, I had time to maintain Glimmer at, right after that. And I've been maintaining it very actively for the last uh, maybe six years or five years, a little like about a year after shoes dropped out. So, uh-huh. so yes, uh, so I do see a, a future for Ruby on the desktop. Yeah, uh, I I remember shoes. Did it did the support for it drop out when Why the Lucky Stiff kind of disappeared? That was the first dropout, which happened in the mid two thousands, and that's what uh-huh. prompted me to create Glimmer back in two thousand and seven, the very original version. So originally, uh-huh. it used to run in JRuby, and it was using the SWT toolkit. Uh, okay. Eventually, I decided that the idea is good enough, uh, like of using a Ruby DSL, that I can expand it to all other toolkits. So now it supports uh, TK, GTK, Java FX, Swing, uh, FX Ruby, WX widgets. Uh, so yeah, it supports every single toolkit that is available in Ruby today. It's about seven of them. So I guess in practical terms, does that mean that I can write, say, Mac apps and Windows apps and uh, maybe Linux apps? Uh, yes, all the Glimmer uh, uh uh, DSLs for desktop development are platform uh, cross-platform libraries okay. supporting yes Mac, Windows, and Linux. The SWT Glimmer library, which runs in JRuby, can also let you package your app as a native executable on those platforms. So I can create a 
a mm -hmm. DMG file on Mac or an EXE or MSI on Windows uh, or Debian file or RPM on Linux. So that way, when I package the app and I give it to somebody to install, they don't have to install Ruby. They don't have to install JRuby. They don't have to install Java. Everything is included. That's awesome. That is so awesome. Um, so, so yeah, so, I mean, uh, I, I definitely see Ruby, uh, going more into the desktop and mm -hmm. in my opinion, I think it's a shame that nowadays a lot of Rubyists or people that claim to be Rubyists are using IDEs and code editors, not built in Ruby. Uh, I mean, some uh -huh. of them even work at very big prestigious companies, uh, and they claim to be, you know, Ruby experts and yet they don't build their own ID or, or editor in Ruby. They use an inferior like they use VS Code, which is built in right. JavaScript, which is an inferior language, a very inferior language, in fact. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a shame because they could have spent time contributing to the Ruby ecosystem instead. And uh, like the productivity of using a Ruby DSL is way higher, uh, in my experience, than using something like HTML and CSS with JavaScript. So mm -hmm. uh, I do, I mean... Uh, I, I do call like bullshit a bit on some of the people that claim to be <laughs> without using Ruby tools or tools built in Ruby, like desktop tools built uh -huh. in Ruby. But I think that that is at the same time that's a great opportunity uh, to go into that in the future. I mean, I, I did my best to put my money where my mouth is and built my own uh -huh. code editor with uh, Glimmer in Ruby. So I think uh, that's why I see a, a great future in it. I'm, I'm just a very I mean, I would say I'm not an IDE uh, building expert. I just built my own as a first experience mm -hmm. and it kind of worked for me. But I, I would I would hope that, like, sorry, like I would look forward to what experts could do then uh, with mm -hmm. Ruby desktop development to help build to help build better Ruby tooling. Yeah, I think I think as I've talked to a whole bunch of different people within the Ruby community for this summit, um, we've seen some expansion into other areas. Um, one that comes to mind is Dragon Ruby, right? Where it's mostly focused on game development, but you can deploy your games to pretty much any platform. Yes, that's, out there, right? that's another part of my uh, prediction for Ruby uh, in the future is going more into gaming. And definitely uh -huh. Dragon Ruby seems like a great option right now because uh, from what I've seen in demos, like at RubyConf 2022, it has great mm -hmm. performance. Uh, yeah. So, uh, but there are other options as well, like Ruby 2D and Gozu. Mm -hmm. uh, Gozu. And also, you can build very simple games in Glimmer. So, I, I definitely see Ruby getting more into gaming in the future as well. Right. Um, on the flip side of that, you know, where we've talked a little bit about Dragon Ruby was mostly mobile focused initially, and then kind of spread to these other platforms for gaming. Do you see something yeah. like Glimmer moving more toward mobile, where you know maybe right. I'm building my business app? for the desktop and then later I have the option to build it for the iPhone or Android or something yeah, like that. Yeah, it's not a game. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's certainly a third area that I think Ruby will uh, have a future in as well is mobile development. I, I definitely think Ruby op, uh, Ruby motion, sorry, which was built mm -hmm. by the creator of dragon Ruby is a good right. option to get people started and building cross platform apps uh, mm -hmm. on mobile. So meaning apps that run on iOS and Android, uh, I've experimented with it a little bit, and uh, I, I do want to eventually have a Glimmer DSL to simplify development with it. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I did look into the idea a little bit, but I got pulled into other projects. Uh, uh, so 
I, but I do want to get back into it eventually. Uh, I think even without Glimmer, like Ruby Motion does provide a, an interesting right. option for cross-platform mobile development in Ruby. Yeah, I need to talk to Amir about that because he acquired Ruby Motion and then put all the focus into Dragon Ruby. And I'm wondering, yeah, now that you mention it, if yeah, if Ruby Motion is still an option for the hey, I'm not building a video game app, I'm building a whatever mobile app. Yeah, last I, ch- I checked, uh, Ruby Motion uh, is still functional and it works. Uh, and there are people that are quite pleased with it. However, one thing that it's lagging behind in right now is support for uh, the latest Ruby versions. So Dragon Ruby, for example, by contracts, uh, like you said, like they're very active into supporting it. So it actually already supports Ruby 3.2, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas uh, I believe Ruby Motion might be still stuck at Ruby 2.0 or something like that. So that is definitely something that I, I'd like to see them improve upon. Uh, but at the same time, that like that, that also makes it an opportunity for Ruby expanding into mobile development in the future. Yep, absolutely. Uh, otherwise, so- the, the fourth area that I was thinking about is basically web development in the front end. So Ruby in the front uh-huh. end was something that Matt's mentioned in his keynote speech of RubyConf 2022. And he said okay. that given that we have options like Wasm, Ruby Wasm, mm-hmm. we should be able to now run a real Ruby in the browser and do real full like full front end right. development in Ruby. Uh, so that means we can have isomorphic uh, isomorphic applications built with Ruby on the back end with Rails and Ruby on the front end with a Ruby Wasm or another option like Opal Ruby. Uh, mm-hmm. So Opal Ruby uh, usually produces, uh, like Ruby Wasm will compile the entirety of Ruby, uh, whereas Opal Ruby is more like a transpiler to JavaScript mm-hmm. that will produce much smaller downloadables. So uh, in my opinion, Opal Ruby is a more com- like convenient option for using Ruby in the front end if a, if a company does not want to have uh, long, like big downloadables. Like it's only in kilobytes in Opal Ruby, whereas in Wasm, it's in megabytes. So, right. so I think, but both of the good news is both of them are options on the table nowadays. So I definitely mm-hmm. see Ruby expanding more into uh, front end development and also becoming like enabling isomorphic application development, which means I can reuse the same Ruby logic that's in the back end for some business rules on the front end as, as well. So that way I don't have to re-implement the order tax calculation algorithm mm-hmm. on the front end again in JavaScript if I want to re- like calculate it uh, in the client right. side. I can just reuse the exact like same code from the back end in the front end. I've actually experimented with that myself and got that working. Uh, in fact, recently uh, I spent the, the holidays like creating a new uh, Glimmer library to support development on the web with Opal Ruby using Glimmer DSL. And I was able to have it basically, um, uh, the nice thing about it is you can build HTML using a Ruby DSL, which means Mm -hmm. I don't need ERB, I don't need JSX, I don't need to mix multiple languages anymore. We can step a level higher in abstraction and just have one language that handles both structure and logic. So that way I can add if statements or each uh, iterator into the exact same code that is building the the HTML GUI. So then the code becomes a lot lighter. And and also it enables me to then use like very uh, advanced object-oriented techniques from Ruby to do real MVC and MVP development. Mm -hmm. And the new Glimmer DSL for web project, uh, 
is basically the newest one. It started in 2023 and it got like finished for a, a, for a first beta version uh, just a, a few weeks ago. And it basically enables also the usage of all the desktop data binding features of uh, Glimmer in on the web. Uh, and I've, I've played around with using it a bit for building samples. And I was shocked by how productive it is compared to mm -hmm. something like React. I felt like I was at least right. double, double as productive as I am with React, uh, which uh, I, I use in my current company. So we've been exploring uh, switching React with uh, Glimmer DSL for web recently, and we're probably going to do a proof of concept of that and implement it soon. So I definitely see a future for Ruby on the uh, like web development front end as well. Right. And uh, just if people are int more interested in either Ruby Wasm or Opal, uh, there are interviews done with Elias Quito, who does uh, Opal, mm -hmm. and with um, YouTube. Yeah, I'm in contact uh, with, El with Elias uh, a lot about Opal. I, I hit yeah. him up every once in a while asking him questions about Opal. Yep. I also talked to Yuta Saito, who's the Ruby core committer for Ruby Wasm. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you wanna if you wanna know more, there's more. Um yeah, and, and I love the ideas of getting Ruby on all of these different platforms. It I mean that I don't know. Um it I remember back in the day when basically your good options for a lot of this development was you would do Kotlin development or uh, Java development for Android, and then in anything that ran the Android system in the back end, so things like um, Fire Stick TVs and stuff like that, or you'd use Swift or Objective C to do your Apple stuff, and that so that's your mobile phones and your Apple TVs, and then you know on and on and on, and then JavaScript kind of broke into those, and it, it was nice because then it was like, okay, well, this is a language that's a little bit more familiar and I can mostly do the same thing and have it work in multiple places. And But the thing is, is like, I don't know. I've written a couple of React Native apps. I've written a couple of other apps with different JavaScript options and they're just not my favorite tools to use. And so, yeah, as I imagine, okay, well, hey, I can do this in Ruby and I can be hyper productive and I can get what I want and it's going to be performant enough for people to use. That gets me really excited. That that's what fires me up. And so, you know, the things that you're talking about, it's like, yeah, well, if those are all the case, then the sky's kind of the limit. Uh, yeah, definitely. The only area that I left out other than desktop, mobile, web, um, and gaming is uh, mm -hmm. AI. So I, I actually am a co-organizer of the Montreal, uh, or it's called the Montreal RB Ruby Meetup in, in Montreal, okay. uh, which is a, a meetup for uh, like uh, basically uh, giving software engineering talks using Ruby or Ruby on Rails. Uh, but mm -hmm. people usually cover different areas of development, like desktop development, web development. And mm -hmm. the last two months, we had two AI talks that were very interesting. Uh, nice. Both of them involved building large language models. And mm -hmm. uh, so one of them was given by, let me see the name of the guy. Uh, his name was, let me see. Um, so, I mean, the library is called Langchain. Langchain, yeah. Uh, and that was the library he presented. Um, his name is Andre Bondarev. He's based out of New uh -huh. York. 
so yeah, he gave an interesting talk about how to leverage Ruby more for uh, AI and machine learning uh, development. And then the, the other guy was called John Sebastian Boulanger, and he gave a talk called Building a, an AI Medical Scribe in Ruby. Uh, and mm -hmm. that one was very interesting because basically it, it was a, like an AI uh, scribe that would accompany physicians uh, by listening on the microphone while they're talking to their patients. And it would basically listen to everything they discuss. And then it would summarize the conversations into the most useful pieces of summary information, uh, which then the, the physicians can later use to save time uh, and avoid mm -hmm. having to read the entire transcript. Uh, so it would saves them. It would save them hours of work, basically. Uh, so that um, so it, it, basically, uh, both of uh, those talks were about using Ruby for AI. So that's definitely right. another area that Ruby could break more into in the future. Yeah, we've had Andre on the podcasts. Um, I don't know the the other guy that you mentioned, but um, we did talk to Alex Rudall, who's been working with OpenAI and written the open ai gem um and yeah it's it's fascinating to see where some of this stuff goes now Langchain itself was written in python but the ruby libraries and the ruby bindings from what i understand are excellent um and i know that valentino stole who's my co-host on ruby rogues has also done a bunch of stuff with that and yeah as the tools get better i mean there's there's no reason why hey you know what uh there's this awesome tool out there it's kind of like using postgres which is also not written in ruby right but we connect to it because it does the work on the back end we need. Yeah, you know, there's no reason why we can't write these apps in Ruby and, you know, surface some kind of useful AI to them in Rails or something else and take that to the next level. Super exciting. Um, I'm also talking to Alex, incidentally, about doing an AI um, challenge, and it'll probably be the middle of March is what we're looking at and, and leverage some of the open AI stuff. But yeah, it might be interesting to talk to somebody and see about doing something with a lang chain or something like that, where it then is not using OpenAI's models, you know, large language models, et cetera, and their imaging models, but actually building your own would be really interesting. And maybe Andre's the right person to go to for that. Mm -hmm. But so it's it's cool stuff. And it's it's so powerful as far as like the different options you have then to give a better experience to your users, which I think is what we all want. It's we want to solve a problem that people have in a way that really fits with what they need. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, there there is a place for other programming languages like C++, Swift, mm -hmm. C Sharp, C and Java. Right. Uh, like sometimes there are needs to optimize algorithms with types. And for those mm -hmm. cases, I, I might use a different language from Ruby. Uh, but at the same time, if I'm building uh, like uh, highly, uh, I would say, abstract things that can benefit mm -hmm. from object-oriented and DSL, uh, sorry, object-oriented programming and DSLs, then Ruby is definitely an excellent yeah. language for it. And I personally still think uh, Ruby, in my opinion, Ruby could do anything that Python or JavaScript could do, but better, or even Perl. Mm -hmm. So right. in my mind, anything that has been uh, available in JavaScript, Python, and Perl should be, uh, we, could, we could use Ruby for it instead going forward. Yep, yep absolutely. Um, are there other things coming down the pipe with Ruby that you're excited about or want to talk about? Um, well, I mean, yesterday somebody hit me up about my new project, Glimmer DSL for web 
And he said uh-huh. that he likes the front end development aspect of it a lot, but he was curious about how to integrate it with back end developers from Rails. And he asked me to expand it so that it would offer uh, an alternative to ERB on the back end as well using Glimmer DS, like Glimmer DSL. So the, the interesting thing that him and I discussed yesterday that we're, I'm still exploring is basically you could have the same exact components div, uh, on the front end and back end. So you would develop mm-hmm. a component once and it could either be server side rendering for it when the page first renders or it can later be rendered after the page has rendered. Oh, interesting. And and the interesting part is if it included any JavaScript uh, logic, and like if we're using Opal Ruby or Wasm, it wouldn't be J- mm-hmm. JavaScript. But either way, if, if it has a listeners or data bindings, uh, they would not get hydrated and activated till after the page is rendered. So mm-hmm. there would need to be some logic that would, you know, if, if I'm running on the front end, it would attach the listeners right away. If I'm running on the back end, the event listeners are attached after rendering the page. Right. So that's something I'm researching right now is how to use, uh, like how to build isomorphic applications mm-hmm. with or DSL for both the back end and the front end. Yeah, and if you're looking for a model that does a lot less of the, how do I put it, the big upfront heavy-duty hydration like React or Angular does, uh, Quick has a really interesting model of doing that where they use WebSockets to effectively lazy load in and then eager load in stuff as it goes. Yeah, that WebSockets is definitely, are definitely on the agenda of things to mm-hmm. explore as well to figure out how I can make the life of uh, Rails software engineers easier or like, sorry, more, like more productive Mm-hmm. whenever they use uh, web sockets as well. Yep. And there's so much exciting stuff coming in Rails. Um, n- you know, not to kind of uh, steal the conversation from what you're talking about here with the future of Ruby, but yeah, um, I think there are going to be a lot of good options for that. I think they also use web workers, which is something that DHH says he wants to make first class in in Rails. Uh, yes, that, that is another thing that I'd like to explore eventually in the future. So Rails offers uh, the, the new, you know, Hotwire and Turbo technologies, mm-hmm. which are very interesting because they, they decrease the need for writing JavaScript manually for a right. lot of cases, uh, especially cases that are just doing straight Ajax and then, uh, you know, putting whatever HTML we receive from the server into mm-hmm. uh, an element. Uh, so right. there are other alternatives that are doing something similar, like HTMX which lets mm-hmm. you do any sort of like element replacement with Ajax calls by right. using uh, HTML attributes. So uh, both options are interesting. And in my opinion, they're orthogonal to a library like Glimmer. Glimmer is yes. just providing a way of writing client-side code uh, in mm-hmm. Ruby instead of JavaScript. Um, and it would be interesting to combine solutions. So eventually I do want to spend a bit of time into looking uh, into how to better integrate with Turbo. Uh, so I, I definitely find that interesting as well, for sure, about the future. Yeah. yeah, we had Carson Gross on JavaScript Jabber last year. So if you're looking for more info on HTMX, um, yeah, we talked to him at length about how it works. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I've been looking at it a bit recently because uh, it is definitely orthogonal and it could be combined with Glimmer, uh, except instead of adding the HTML attributes, in real HTML, we can just add them in Ruby instead. 
using the Glimmer mm -hmm. DSL. So because the Glimmer DSL right. is simply HTML and CSS, there's nothing there's nothing more to it. Right. Uh, it's just a standard HTML and CSS, but you're using it from a better language uh, mm -hmm. that allows you to be able to write logic and structure in one language instead of having to you know use ERB and Ruby or JSX and JavaScript. We don't have that right. separation anymore. It's not needed. So we can be a lot more productive. That's cool. I'll have to check that out. Uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, that that is one interesting thing on the web that I, uh, I'm looking into is, you know, more improvements to Glimmer DSL for web, like being able to write uh, components that run on both the back end and front end. Mm -hmm. uh, as far as desktop development, uh, recently I added uh, a library for uh, rendering charts and graphs, and currently it supports a line graph and a bar chart. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, a bar chart. And it's been uh, asked of me by somebody who's building a real application uh, that has bars, uh, sorry, that has graphs and charts uh, using mm -hmm. Glimmer DSL for LibUI. Uh, so I've actually helped that person build that application. Once it's completely finished, it'll probably get announced on my blog. But uh, as part of that project, we extracted uh, another library called Glimmer LibUI Graphs and Charts. And it, and Ooh, it nice. supports uh, two gr graphs right now. And I'm, I'm working on adding a bubble chart soon. Uh, the good uh -huh. news about this is it'll open the floodgates for people doing more uh, data science and Ruby uh, including graphing and charting as opposed to mm -hmm. having to use Python. So that's right. definitely something exciting as well. Um, and uh, another thing I'm working on is uh, improving the support for view components in Glimmer uh, uh, desktop libraries so that they support mm -hmm. slots just like they do on the web. So I'm, right. I'm also working on that as well. That's awesome. And and I like I said before, I mean, I love the fact that we're getting into a place where, oh, I need this other kind of app or i need to target this other kind of platform and hey look we've got great options for you know for, for for doing this so yeah that's super cool um you you mentioned montreal rb um are you seeing what, what are you seeing in the meetup space um, so we got the last two talks were AI talks, like I mentioned already. Uh -huh. uh, before that, we had a talk about how to do payments in Ruby on Ruby on Rails. Uh -huh. uh, so any payment solutions like Stripe or other uh, payment gateways like Repay or Zoom Rails, or there are many, many payment gateways out there. Right. So it was just a general talk that gave also information about uh, like the business of payment and not just the, develop the software development of payment. Uh, before right. that, I had a talk on uh, Rails view components. Uh, and before that, I had a talk on Microsoft Kyota, which allows you to be able to build, uh, sorry, not build, generate any Ruby SDKs for REST APIs automatically. So that way, if oh, somebody based using the open API uh, spec, so if, uh -huh. you know, if, for example, I get the open API spec for uh, let's just say integrating with Azure storage services. Uh, I can, uh -huh. let's just suppose their their library is going out of date or they haven't updated it in a while. What I could do is actually, I could just use Kyota and it would generate an SDK automatically from their open mm -hmm. API spec. Cool. I don't even have to use their library anymore. And the good thing about it is it can allow us to then add things like uh, repeating, uh, like, sorry, like things related, related to software reliability, like repeating calls, recovering from exceptions, mm -hmm retries etc uh, so it's uh 
it's a it's a very interesting library that actually GitHub officially adopted recently in an announcement as the new way of them uh, building SDKs for their APIs. So they're not going to be maintaining their own uh, custom AP, uh, SDKs anymore. From what I read in the announcement, they're going to be using Microsoft Kyoto. So that's another interesting technology that got covered at Montreal RB recently. Very Last cool. That, that sounds really handy. So they just generate the Swagger docs and they're off to the races. Uh, yep. Yep, pretty much. Before that, uh, we had a Montreal RB talk about how to build uh, command line tools in Ruby. That was uh -huh. interesting. And uh, somebody also gave a talk on optimizing mathematical algorithms in Ruby. Mm. Um, okay. That was interesting as well. Very cool. Are there places where people can find these talks or are they not? Yeah, there. Uh, so, I mean, we, we announce our talks on meetup.com. We just have a uh -huh. meetup.com group. So if you search for montreal.rb on meetup.com, uh, you'll find mm -hmm. us. And uh, actually, there's also a YouTube channel. It's called at montreal-rb. If you go oh, to cool. that channel, at montreal-rb, it'll give you all the, all the talks recorded. So we try to record every single talk unless the speaker doesn't want, want to. Right. Uh, so we have a, more than 10 talks on that channel. Awesome. We, we re rebooted the group after the COVID lockdowns uh, about mm -hmm. two years ago. Uh, and that, that and then that was when we started posting talks in one channel on YouTube. So yeah, we have about, we have over 10 videos on it. Nice. Yeah, that's, we've been trying to revive the one here in Salt Lake and it just, it's been kind of a thing. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, so we definitely had to start small uh, and uh -huh. keep, keep doing it for a while even if people right. weren't coming as much like at first not many people were coming obviously some people were afraid of covid still and didn't want to go out right. as much we didn't care we just kept hosting it over and over and over and then it kept growing and growing mm -hmm. and um like uh it's uh so right now it's a lot like we're filling the room every time almost in the last right. few talks so it definitely helped to just be persistent yeah i think that's what it's going to take um, there was some idea around not holding it at a company's space, but that eliminates like 90% of the spaces that are really available to us. And so I, I think some of the co-working spaces might be willing to let us use like their, um, you know, their presentation area or their conference room every once in a while. But if we don't have any, people who are trying to help organize it that are members of the co-working space, it gets a little complicated too. So I'm really thinking I might just reach out to some of the companies here in Utah and just say, Hey, do you have a space where we can hold the meetup? And do you have an employee that will let us in? And are you willing to buy pizza or whatever? I, I wonder if some uh, bars can also allow you to host the talk, uh, like the bars that have a stage for a band. I wonder if like mm -hmm. you could, if you could project a screen there instead, but uh, yeah, we definitely, so for us, we have, we've been hosting the talks between two companies. Uh, one uh -huh. of them is my company, Lexop, and the other company is called Pot Potluck. Both of them are based in Montreal and they're technology companies that use Ruby on right. Rails, that do Ruby on Rails development. Uh, so we've been splitting the hosting uh, locations yeah. between those two uh, companies and that, that definitely works for us. Yeah. So, the way that our geography is set up, um, there are kind of 
three-ish more or less business hubs. Um, there's a lot of stuff that happens in Utah County, which is where I live. I live just on the north end, almost in Salt Lake County. Um, and most of the business hub around here is right near me, right? So it's almost in Salt Lake County. And there are a couple of rather large companies that have offices there. And so we could definitely get away with it. Um, there are some that are kind of in the South Valley in South, in Salt Lake County. And then there are a bunch downtown Salt Lake. Um, and then there are a handful in Davis County, which is North of Salt Lake, uh, you know, all along the I-15 corridor. And so that could be interesting, right? Just finding those spaces where, Hey, can we host a meetup at your office? And, and some of them like Pluralsight's office is up in Davis County and they might be willing to host us, even though they don't use Ruby on rails. They do have some Ruby content in their subscription and might be willing to host us just out of the kindness of, Hey, if people like us, they might sign up for a subscription. Um, so I don't know, but yeah, I think it'd be worth reaching out and trying to pull something like that together. And like I said, also, there are a few of these companies that I know people at that I could just say, Hey, can you, you know, ask around the office and see if they'll let you do it. So mm -hmm. yeah. anyway, we kind of got a little off topic there, but it's all good. I think, I think the meetup scene is kind of coming back. We're definitely seeing more conferences. Um, are there other things that you're seeing up and coming in the Ruby community that you wanted to go over? Or? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, I mean, okay. but I definitely feel like Ruby uh, is uh, still a highly effective language. And, yes. Uh, I, I, yeah, one, I, I do notice something actually re more recently. I noticed that a lot of people that have left Ruby for other overhyped technologies are returning to mm -hmm. it now. That's mm -hmm. what's interesting. Like 2024 or even the end of 2023, a lot of people that have left Ruby for Elixir, for Rust, for whatever other languages are all of a sudden returning and being like uh, Ruby on Rails is way simpler than anything else. So right. I definitely noticed that recently. And I, yeah, I, I, think... I agree with it. So are there reasons that you're seeing for that or like anything in particular? I mean, the only re reason I can think of is uh, uh, waking up of the hype, <laughs> the hype spell. Because <laughs> I personally, I'm a very, very, uh, like, I try to be very realistic and practical about how I think about software. I think about software from a software engineering, like pros and cons point of view. Uh -huh. I never think of it from the point of view of, oh, this is cool. This is fun. This is something used at a large company XYZ, like Facebook. I never think that way. I always think... Right. You know, what are the pros? What are the cons? Is it making our life better or worse? Is development more cheaper or more expensive? Mm -hmm. uh, are we more productive, etc.? So I, I tend to guard myself against falling for hype spells to begin with. Like I try to, you know, when uh, like uh, so I, I think some people might have made the mistake of falling for hype a bit and then they woke up from it and then they realized like because I've, I've heard that the of people that used Elixir for a while or some other technology, it might have been JavaScript, and then they mm -hmm. came back to Rails, and then they're like, wow, Rails is amazing. Like, it's, it feels yeah. so productive by comparison and so lightweight. Uh, so I think it's just people rediscovering that. Yeah, I think there's something to that. I think also, um, down to some of the points you're making about some of the stronger points of Ruby or Rails, and then people... Yeah, recognizing that the other technology is not giving them what they want. 
Um, so I know a lot of people that, yeah, they went over to Elixir or to React for, for different reasons, right? And some of the promise was there, right? Which is why they moved over because they fiddled with it. And yeah, it, it kind of delivered what it said it did. But as the as those technologies have matured, yeah, they, they come to realize that, A, uh, Ruby's becoming more performant. It's, you know, Rails is delivering on more and more of the promise and, you know, coming back to... I feel like Rails is coming back to its roots, which is funny because DHH has always been the guy driving it. But coming back to its roots of, hey, look, we're going to give you something that just you can build something just awesome, um, which is kind of the, the focus of Rails Composer, which is a project I'm working on. Um, but yeah, you, you boil it down to those things. And then, yeah, people start realizing, okay, hey, this is what I want to make. What technology, you know, and yeah, Elixir adds these this level of complexity or, you know, it's not as nice as Rails has been to do some of this stuff or things like that. Yeah, so I, then, I definitely have been following that same exact vision yeah. with Glimmer libraries. Like I try to give people mm -hmm. a way to build a desktop app in 10 minutes if they need to. Right. Like a very, like a very simple MVP in 10 minutes at least, uh, at most, sorry. And then uh, maybe they can even finish the full app in like an hour or a few hours. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've definitely been trying to emulate what DHH has done in Rails. Right. And I think that's a big selling point for sure for Ruby. I do agree about that. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it's the same idea behind Rails Composer where it's uh, there are a whole bunch of things you're going to need for your app, user management, uh, permissions management, payment management, uh, you know, stuff like that. And so, hey, um, pull our pieces in and then work on the thing that you actually care about, which is my customers need something that helps them do whatever it is that your app does, right? So, you know, yeah, you get all the boilerplate, all the main stuff out of the way. And for me, it the SAS has a certain level of boilerplate to it. So you get that all out of the way so you can live in your zone of genius. And what I find is that, yeah, a lot of these technologies, especially React, in my opinion, um, they, they've they added so many things to it and pushed it in a direction to where you, you have to be a master of many things in order to get what you want out of it. Whereas in Rails, if you want to boil it down to just the basic MVC framework, you can get away with that and build a simple mm -hmm. app really fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you could still uh, scaffold the full app in one command, which is awesome. Yep, more or less. So, yeah. All right, well, we're almost to our 45 minutes. Um, if people want to connect with you or find out more about Glimmer or any of the other things we've talked about, where do they find you online? Um, they probably find me on uh, GitHub. Uh, Andy Optiva is my uh, uh, handle. Uh, or they could find me on my blog, which is andymalley.blogspot.com. Uh, awesome. And I'll make sure to send you the links so that you can include them somewhere that people can click yep. if they want. Yeah, we'll, we'll have show notes for the interviews. So, yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, um, I mentioned a few of the other people that we've interviewed. Uh, I think I'm going to reach out to Andre, uh, even though I already talked to Alex, and see if we can get him on for an interview as well. Um, and then, yeah um thanks thanks for joining us folks and until next time max out